Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen with the Makers of Minnesota. And if you're like many of the entrepreneurs that I talk to, social media gives you a pit in your stomach. It's a chore. You don't like it. It's hard to figure out what you're going to post about. I'm telling you, I love it. I love it and I'm good at it and I will help you be good at it too. If you need help with your social media strategy or you just want someone to do it for you, I am your gal. I am taking on some new clients for 2021 and really we need to get prepared because all of a sudden business is going to start humming along again and I would love to help you have new followers and new pairs of eyes on your accounts so that you are ready to take the world by storm. I can do press releases. I can help you have a public relations strategy, or I can just simply help you do social media to get it off your plate so you are not dreading it every day. Feel free to reach out to me at shansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, shansenmarketing at gmail.com and let me know how I can help you up your social media game in 2021. everybody and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota where we talk to cool people doing cool things and one of my favorite parts about the show is when I get to catch up with a maker who I haven't talked to for a while and I'm with Rob Bates and he is with Folly Coffee and Rob you're like one of the most energetic people I ever interviewed we sat down at Nina's coffee shop and I just loved you and I was like god this guy's got it and imagine my surprise because when did we talk like I don't know maybe like a year ago at least a year ago okay it was it was before it was actually right during the last state fair so not this year the year before that was right before state fair 2019 all right so pre-pandemic and um I'm looking at my lens and Byerly's magazine this week and all of a sudden I see Folly's hot sauce and it's your logo. And I'm like, what the heck? Coffee wasn't enough for this guy. He's going to take the food world by storm and he's got a hot sauce. Congratulations. Well, thank you. How did that come about? Yeah, it was um, completely unexpected. So when, uh, so it's March 16th is when uh, it gets to, gets announced that everything's closing down. So I had like this month long manic episode of having to completely shift our business online and trying to figure out where are people going to be drinking coffee? How are they going to be drinking coffee? Uh, so we launched a brand new website, did a bunch of promotions to drive people online. And then after about a month that stabilized a bit. And then I realized, well, we can't really do samplings. We can't do events. How do we engage people in an entertaining way while people are, people are at home? And so for a bit, I was doing kind of your classic home brewing techniques, home brewing videos that every roaster really needs to have, I think. Uh, but after a bit, I go, what aren't other roasters doing? That would be kind of a fun way to include coffee in something that was engaging at home. And I have a buddy, a childhood best friend of mine, Kevin Kokenauer, who is a really talented chef. And I go, why don't we do a mini series on cooking with coffee. So using coffee as an ingredient in different recipes. Uh, And so I, the concept was basically, I'll challenge you to make recipes using coffee. And for the first one we did, uh, first episode, we just did a barbecue rub, you know, your classic coffee, barbecue rub, beef rub, it's kind of a thing that's been done over and over. So I said, can you do it? And how well can we do this? And if I'm looking back, really just an excuse to be outside and grill and hang out and, uh, Basically, we were able to write it off because it was technically a business expense, but it was really fun and got a really good response. Uh, And so for the second episode, I'm a huge hot sauce head. I always have at least like 10 in my fridge at any given moment. And 
a thought occurred to me that I go, well, most hot sauces use a really high component of vinegar, which is really high acidity and really great coffee has a nice natural acidity to it as well. Would it be possible to kind of sub out vinegar in a recipe for really good coffee? And so I just basically told him, I was like, can for episode two, let's try to do a coffee hot sauce. Worst case scenario, it turns out terrible. And the episode sums in that. You just go, this is terrible. Don't try it at home. And so he comes up with a recipe off the top of his head, writes it down, and we film it for the second episode. And he makes this recipe. And after I taste it, it was like, dude, not only is this like really, really good, but it was unlike any hot sauce I had tasted. And I mean, this is exactly what happened with Folly that the first time I tasted really high-end coffee, I go, I've never tasted anything like this. So when I tasted it, I go, I've never had anything like it. And so I go, well, let's see if our friends and family feel the same way. So we just handed out the bottles that we made. And the response was just like, all right, when's the next batch? We're like, well, it's really just the one-time thing that we'll pay for it. I was like, oh, we might have something here. And so we made another batch. Again, other friends and family, the response was the same. And that was kind of when I go, there might be something here. And when we posted about that episode online, the response was like, I noticed this intensity of the responses and comments and the engagement that I go, oh, there are people that are as into hot sauce as they are coffee. It's like a whole different, it's like the same person, just a different category. And so that's when I had uh, my kind of just biannual planning meeting with Lunds on you know our sales. How are they going? What do we have planned for the future? And at the tail end of it, I just was kind of like, hey, how is hot sauce doing for you all? And they were like, that category is exploding. It's like one of the fastest growing categories in grocery right now. And I go, oh, well, you know, uh, we made one. And they, uh, and they said, well, I don't do the hot sauce buying. Let me put you in touch with the person that does. And so in between that meeting about coffee and the meeting I had about hot sauce, I was able to find a co-packer uh, and I, I was able to find a distributor. And the distributor is kind of like, well, if Lunds picks it up, we'll carry it. And then you know, I went to Lunds and was like, I have a distributor. They said, well, if you have a distributor for it, we'll carry it. And uh, that it just happened very quickly. Um, Rob, I was almost, yeah. you glossed over this part, but literally- how many days in between? Like, was it just like two days? Okay. So uh, I think that episode, I'd, I'd have to look at when we aired it, but I would guess based on timing, it's probably around May or June. And so this was probably about, you know, two months where we were just making it for fun and giving it to friends and family and just really not doing it seriously. And then uh, that meeting, I think, happened in like September ish. And so that meeting happens in September. Uh, two weeks later, I've got like the official meeting. And that's when the uh, the commitment was there that we can bring it in in January because uh, the co-packer said we could get this going as fast as January. And so, they, yeah, they uh, it, from the time that the meeting happened to launching the actual business, it was about three months, but it was about another three months before that of just working the recipe, uh, figuring out like, how could we scale this working with the co-packer on like, here's a recipe that works at scale. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we got that first commercial batch and that was the most nerve wracking moment was when that happened. But yeah, so, uh, Lund's uh, agreed to bring it in. Kowalski's agreed to bring it in. We have great relationships with them on the coffee side. We sent out samples. They loved it. And that's a category that's growing. And so they quickly agreed to bring it in. And so I was almost looking around being like, what am I 
forgetting. <laughs> like, this is, I mean, the, the the period it took to get folly to like the coffee side to where yeah. the hot sauce is right now was like, you know, nine, 10 months. And so this happened in a period of like weeks. And so I'm almost like looking around going like, what am I not thinking about? Like really skeptical, but having a co-packer and having a distributor has made it pretty seamless that a lot of the um, like arduous work that would go into or into it is kind of taken out of our hands, which has been really cool. And is there more profit in hot sauce than in coffee because the cost of goods is lower? Yeah, or, the, yeah, yeah. The cost of goods is definitely a higher margin product. Um, now there are like some complications and logistics and the facts that it's glass bottles and you have to worry about that. But outside of that, yeah, the the cost of being, the difference between really high end coffee what we're doing at Folly is like Jeff is our roaster and that's really the only person I'm comfortable roasting our coffee. He's a top 15 coffee taster in the country. He's a certified Q grader. I need to know that he's the one in charge of all of our coffee with this, the hot sauce I'm pointing at is once somebody has a recipe and we, I'm comfortable with them making it. Then after that, it's just repeating the same thing over and over versus coffee. Every single roast is its own profile. It's you're, closely in tune with what's happening on each roast profile. So it's a much simpler way to execute it. And the the component that we had in place that the co-packer was like, well, we have no way to brew large batches of coffee. Um, and this is where Filtera, which is the separate cold brew business, me and Brandon started in September of 2018. We go, I go, I actually just happen to have a way that we can cold brew large batches of coffee to use in the sauce in like a full you know, uh, FDA approved facility. And so that was the last piece that probably would have been a huge bottleneck of like, how do we brew large batches of coffee consistently? Well, we'd been working on that for, we've had that in business for coming up on like two and a half years that we've got the processes down perfectly. And so it's like that last little piece where I'm going like, it's almost like I planned that, but I think everybody around me knows that's absolutely not the case. So now you have Folly Coffee, which comes in beans then you have Filtera, which is the cold brew side. And yeah. now you have Folly Hot Sauce. That's correct. Yeah. And we did form them all as separate businesses just because there's different people involved. And so basically when you're a bootstrapped startup, you just equity is really the play. And so that's kind of how we broke it out between the three businesses is Folly. I kind of, I started on my own uh, and then Filtera was me and Brandon. And now with the hot sauce, Kevin's involved. And then our buddy Seth, who's doing kind of all of our media work so that uh, we just have like a really polished look to all of our video and photo that as we scale, we kind of have that component filled. In. And Jeff is also involved in the hot sauce side as well. Is this something, I mean, I hate to like make you busier, but maybe you're onto something with this idea of coffee being used as a base for things. Like you mentioned rubs. I have a, a recipe I make that's a coffee infused molasses um, marinade for pork chops. You know, do you see there being more here or are you just like, this is overwhelming? It's interesting. It's it's less overwhelming than I, it's. It's funny because I've found that I actually get like this nervousness when there's a lot of awesome opportunities because you're kind of going like, oh shoot, like which one do I focus on? Like, and Jeff and I had the, our head roaster at Folly. We had the conversation. He was like, how would you feel? Let's say hypothetically the hot sauce does blow up, and then the coffee is a smaller business than that. And I go, well, the my passion still lies in the coffee. I would do this regardless of the size or what we're making. And having a product like hot sauce that's kind of easy to execute would be exciting. And that was obviously a thought we've had because we um. 
to fund the first run of the hot sauce to basically pay the co-packer for the first huge run that we did, uh, we did a Kickstarter. Yep. And one one of the kind of add-on products that we did was a coffee rub that we did in episode one. And the feedback on it's been awesome. But we're going, okay, let's let's keep that in the back pocket. That let's let's say this happens and this works. Then I think in the future you kind of um you don't want to release a new product too early because you're still establishing that relationship. You're still establishing like pull through at retailers. And that's kind of why I think the hot sauce was as easy as a launch as it's been major knock on wood there. But uh, I think that's why it works is because we've had the coffee and market for three years. We have these established relationships and this business rhythm with our customers that I think I was comfortable releasing a new product because I didn't think it would disrupt what we've been doing. You know, what else is interesting too, is what people maybe don't know is each part of the store is like its own little business. So Mm -hmm. that you got the invitation to meet the guy in charge of the gal in charge of hot sauce, Mm -hmm. that area of the store is very different than the area that you were in with coffee. And so like, if you moved into spices, that's again, another person. So it's, it's challenging when you start to move around within the store too. Yeah. And it's, Like if you go to an independent store, like a co-op that they're that one location, it's usually going to be one person. Hey, I'm grocery. Maybe they've got like a frozen and a non-frozen grocery person. And then you go to somewhere with three or four locations and maybe it's broken out a little bit more. But yeah, when you get to that kind of like uh, 10 store, that 20 plus store, that's when it's like somebody is very specifically focused on singular categories. And that's exactly right. That even though Lunds, I wasn't talking to the hot sauce buyer, they can go over to that buyer and say, hey, we have a great relationship with this company and they're releasing a new product. But ultimately what it was, was we were sending samples of the product out before these meetings. And that what is what has been most exciting for me is like the, the hot sauce versus coffee. So we roast the most amazing coffee in the world. We send you the beans. You could still royally mess it up at home <laughs> and then be like, I don't get it. This coffee's average. I put it in my coffee maker that I've been making dark roast and it's got layers of oil on the wall and it tastes kind of weird. And I go, well, okay, now I have to educate you versus hot sauce. You go, it's in this bottle. You shake it up before pouring it and that's how it tastes. And so there's no educational piece that needs to go into it. And, and so that's a, an exciting thing is being able to send it out and know that they are tasting it kind of how it's intended to be tasted. It uh, reminds me more of selling back in my Sam Adams days where it's like, hey, here's this bottle of beer. All you need to do is open it and taste it versus the the extra steps that go into coffee, which is like an exciting part that during quarantine, especially people have gotten a lot better at and they're more interested, but is also something that requires work even after that bag of coffee has been sold. Right. And if you want to listen to Rob's episode that we did a while back, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Rob, do you also have a podcast? Yes. Yeah. And that's Tell uh, me about that. Yeah. So the Folly Coffee podcast, uh, we've been doing it proudly, I will say pre-quarantine because (laughs) I think there's one thing that I think everybody kind of rolls their eyes at is everybody has a podcast right now. And I'm, trust me, I get it. I I do get it. But uh, I started that in like September of 2019, basically as a response to the common coffee questions I would get. Um, I mean, it was really the same five to 10 rotating questions. And I always felt bad that I couldn't give a full answer answer. Um, or I was over explaining. And so I was like, well, why don't I just record answers to these coffee questions I'm getting? And so I did five or six episodes like that. 
And then after that, I was like, well, I'm having fun with this. I'll keep going on like the business side. And then I go, well, I wonder if other people would want to talk about these topics. And then it evolved very quickly to like, all of a sudden it's just been like a bunch of interviews with different food beverage people in the twin cities, mostly. And, um, and then your oddball guests, like, um, this will be the first time I'm saying this, but like Whistler from a uh, hippo campus, Jeff met him doing a coffee sampling. So I'll have a couple guys from hippo campus on in a week or two. Basically it's my selfish, selfish excuse to talk to people. I think are doing really cool things. And it's, um, it's been a really cool way to learn, uh, like, for myself and just people that have found success in what they're doing. Uh, but is also the response from listeners has been really cool. Um, that it's the, the listenership is growing and I still, people ask how many listeners do you have? And I go, I'm not really sure. Cause our dis- anchor, we distribute on anchor and they tell us one number Spotify is a radically different number apples. With it. And so I'm like, I'm not sure, but at the very least I'm getting to meet people that I probably never would have met had it not been for the podcast. Yeah, it is a weird space because there's downloads and people that subscribe to your podcast count as a download. And then people parse that out to listeners or Mm -hmm. then they go even to uniques. Like it's still the Wild West, I feel like, in terms of who is actually listening to this podcast. Because one minute I think I'm doing so great because I've had like, you know, 1800 downloads of this episode. And then the next minute it's like you had 300 listeners like what? And it it is, it depends on which service you go to. And then I'll get an email from my hoster and they're like, you've eclipsed 20,000 downloads. (laughs) What is happening? I have no idea. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what happened with us is like, I swear every time I answer people are like, oh, you're trying. And I'm like, no. Okay. So the weirdest thing to me is on our platform that I'll go to it and it'll be like 80% of roughly 80% of your listeners are from Apple. And I'm like, Okay. And then I go to Spotify and the Spotify number is bigger than my Apple listener, overall listenership on the platform. So I'm like, something's weird, but I think it is kind of what you're saying that everybody measures it differently. So there was a point in time where I just decided, I go, I, I know myself, I know I'm very like numbers goal oriented. And I go, if that's what you start chasing, it's going to lose the value of why you did it in the first place. And so I, I try to ignore it as much as possible. I'll poke around every once in a while just to like have an idea of like, did everybody stop listening? But no, it's been really cool. And um, the response has been really good. And it's made me realize like how tight knit of a community, the Twin Cities, uh, specifically the Twin Cities food scene is. And it's, uh, I'm talking to people and like that a year ago, I would have been like, what are you like, why are we talking? What are we doing here? And like, it's been great to really build up my imposter syndrome that I have a terrible problem with, but at the same time, like is so cool to be able to meet people and learn. And I think one of my biggest takeaways that I tried to take to heart is like, sometimes you look at someone who has a ton of success and you go, they've got it figured out. They've had a plan all along. They've been taking steps and that's why they are where they are. And then you talk to them for an hour about their story and this resounding like uh, theme that continues throughout is everybody is kind of on the same page. That's all pretty made up and there's a lot of luck involved, but almost always it's just an obscene amount of hard work that goes into it. And I go, okay, just keep that in mind that like, as these things get stressful and everything gets weird, that you can just keep working hard and hopefully you'll get your lucky breaks. And then just like, everything's kind of made up here. It's really uh, fun for me to hear you talk about the imposter syndrome, because I don't even think I've said this out loud, but I, as we speak, I'm waiting for contract approval on a cookbook. 
that I pitched the idea and I've gotten the go ahead, but we're waiting to like, I got to get the final details going. And my first response has been complete imposter syndrome. Like (laughs) what the heck? Here I am. I have this whole broadcast career and I never went to Brown Institute. Then I started a podcast and I'm still like, I'm sitting in my closet literally right now because since COVID, you know, I had all the fancy equipment and now I'm basically in my closet like everybody else. And then, you know, to think that I could actually write a cookbook that people would want to buy or that they would enjoy is also just like so weird, but the world kind of just pushes you in different directions as long as you're open. How do you conquer that imposter syndrome? Because I think that you're right that it is equal amounts of drive because you have to think big to think that you even could. And then you ask for stuff and you ask the universe like, hey, well, I'll do this. And then someone else says, yeah, let's do that with you. And you're like, wait, what? Do you know I can't really do this? And it's funny because I look at you and uh, you go um, potentially launch a cookbook. And I go, yeah, well, of course, like it makes a, <laughs> it makes so much sense for everything that you've been doing. So I go, it's wild for you to be like, why am I doing this? And I go, well, do you want like the list of reasons or like sources or how do you want to justify that you're doing a cookbook? Because it's all there. Yeah. Um, I mean, a perfect example. I just had Tony Querio on. He's former uh, director of coffee at Spy House. He just launched his own uh, coffee company, Acorn Coffee. Shout out, Tony. Uh, he, I just literally listed his accomplishments in his intro. And he's like, that's the nicest intro anyone's ever given me. I go, there was no opinion in that intro. It was just things you've done in the past. <laughs> and so that's kind of... Um, I don't, I definitely don't have advice on how to conquer it because I'm right in the middle of it. But what I try to uh, evaluate in the second posture syndrome is I go, why am I feeling this way? And then just being realistic is, am I stretching the truth on anything about what I do or who I am or what folly is or what this hot sauce is? And as long as I think I can be confident that I'm not stretching the truth about what we do, then I feel a lot better. So for instance, like I will at no point tell you that I'm the one roasting the coffee or the one doing these amazing roast profiles on the coffees that we're doing. That's a hundred percent Jeff. And there was a period of time where that was kind of hard to deal with that. I was like, this is technically my business, but Jeff is in charge of the entire coffee program. But once you let go of the ego that's involved with that, things get a lot easier because then you realize you go, oh, nobody really cares as long as the coffee's really good. Yeah. And I think that's what a big part of it has been for me is trying to untie your ego whenever possible. And I've found that the more opportunities you can have to kind of uh, detach from your ego or really anything that you have ego tied to and be like, why do I have ego tied to that? And the second you can identify that, it, t- it tends to help the imposter syndrome. Because I think most people I've talked to, especially on the podcast, they had this imposter syndrome because they're like, I'm about to get figured out. And you go, well, you can only get figured out if you've been lying about something or if you've mm-hmm. just been dishonest about something. But I go, I've been honest from the start about what we're doing and what we're trying to do. And uh, I think that's a big way that's helped me that even as I continue, I mean, the hot sauce, to be completely honest, I, I, I joke that I, it still feels pretty made up. And seeing it on the shelf is almost like, why do they have the our made up thing on their shelf right now? And then as people like, are they like, I bought this at the store. And I'm like, that's really weird because we just came up with that like six months ago. Uh, but that's the big thing is like making sure that we're genuine in what we're doing. And that like any time I think there's ego tied to something is like really challenging that with myself. Well, I loved meeting you when we sat down before. I love hearing your story. 
I'm excited to see what comes next. I appreciate your feedback on the imposter syndrome because I think a lot of people struggle with it. And particularly, we're all really working in these very siloed places. So we're not talking to our friends necessarily. We're not bouncing around out in the world. We're just like in our own heads trying to do this stuff. And I think it's been challenging during the pandemic for that reason. I will really look forward to picking up my hot sauce when I'm in my lungs next time. When I saw it in the magazine, I just, I shook my head and I was so proud of you because I just knew I was like, of course he has hot sauce. You think it's a course I have a cookbook? I think it's, of course, you have hot sauce. So that's so fun. Yeah. And then the last piece of advice I always give is like, I, one thing I always try to do is do as many things that you suck at as possible, like outside of what you have imposter syndrome about. Cause this is something that just came to mind is I always try to do something that I suck at because then as you're trying this new skill or activity or whatever it may be, and you're like, I'm terrible at this. Then you go, Oh, you know what? I am pretty good at the coffee stuff. You know what? I'm, I'm actually not that bad at the, you know, at the business side of that. I'm doing okay over there. And that's something I always push people to do is like, start, try to find anything you suck at. Don't just stick to the things you're really good at because then you get kind of cornered. Um, my, my two things have been drums and boxing. So that gives you an example of two <laughs> things that I'm like, those are what I've started during the second quarantine that I'm like, oh man, I suck at these. I go, I'm doing all right over here, I think. <laughs> I love, I love boxing. I miss kickboxing so much. Yeah. And my daughter was a boxer in high school and I was just terrified the whole time. So I'm so glad she's not doing it anymore. But I have another gal friend that's a MMA and I just, I'm like, oh, it's so oh. nerve wracking. Yeah. See, mine is purely just the skill set. I got hit in the head enough during college football. So I was like, I'm just going to hit on the bag here, but learn it that way. Yep. And, uh, but like so, stuff like that, you go, oh, if if you do something that you suck at every day, you go, all right, I actually know I'm bad at that. And it makes me feel a little better that I kind of know what I'm doing over here. So at least it helps to remedy that imposter syndrome a touch. Great advice, friend. Thanks for being our guest today. I'm looking forward to releasing this as a little bonus episode to check back in with you. I'm going to mark my calendar and check back in with you in a year. And we'll see, like, do I have a cookbook? And do you have something else that's your next product? Because I bet we both do. <laughs> I kind of hope not. I kind of <laughs> hope that I don't make myself any busier. But best of luck on the cookbook. Thanks for having Thank me you. back on. We'll talk soon, Rob. Okay, yeah, bye-bye.